0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast, but Manchester is in quarantine at the moment, as you will know. Football has taken a back step with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, but fear not, we're back here, still talking about Manchester United. We understand football might be a bit trivial at this moment in time, but sometimes we need a bit of an escapism. And I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. Hello, Rich. Hello. Yeah, and uh, it's a bit of an odd one. Uh, Samuel... We've uh, we've scraped some barrels in our time, but how have you found this first uh, week of uh, who knows how long?
1: Uh, well, I, I think if anyone's in Muppet Treasure Island and they'll remember the Cabin Fever song in it, that that's kind of a, an accurate reflection of how I've been feeling on a day-to-day basis. It, it, it is really surreal um i know a lot of uh guys in our industry do work from home it's quite routine um but for us we're, we're always pretty much if we're not at a match if we're not at a press conference or at a european away or traveling to norwich um we we are in the Again. office and uh, it, it does have its benefits it, it does kind of like reinforce your focus i think being around in a, in a newsroom environment uh it nothing nothing really beats that in, in the journalistic uh, from a journalistic perspective so i mean this this is just strange as well obviously we're, we're talking over the phone we're, we're not in person you know we are keeping very much our social distancing as well um as as, as per government advice but it, it is it is strange it doesn't i my body doesn't feel quite right with it all either i think it's used to being up and about and um it's not that it's been purposeless or anything like that but obviously you're not accustomed to just you know getting out of bed and walking Walking about twelve paces to to the office door and, and sitting down and filling your body with toast and tea and <laughs> biscuits all day—it's it's it's not advisable. So I think every now and then you've you've got to get out even though obviously for a lot of people um there's you know they're, they're having to self-isolate uh sadly as long as people follow the guidelines hopefully we we just get through this as, as quickly as possible
0: yeah and i must make uh, the sort of caveat now that if anyone's listening and it's not the usual uh, crisp hd quality i'm not sure you can get hd in terms of audio but uh you know what i mean dolby surround sound atmos it's because you we are recording this over switch. the phone exactly well some things never change and uh i guess uh <laughs> the, the beauty of it was i was still a minute late for work today, which Don't know how that happened, but uh, we carry on. Uh, And some things never change either. And uh, Samuel, even when there isn't any football, Paul Pogba still makes the headlines, doesn't he? Uh, We've had (laughs) a lot on him. Um, Rumours of U-turns, he could sign new contract extensions at United. And then we've had another update from Mina Raiola today. What's the latest on Paul Pogba? And I guess uh, it's quite refreshing, isn't it, that in this world of uncertainty, some things still stay exactly the same. Indeed. There will be some out there who will desperately try and
1: downplay what Rayola has said. But I think that the clue, the massive giveaway is that he's decided to speak to a Madrid Sports Daily. And of course, in this Uh, interview with with marker he also spoke about erling Haaland, who's another of his clients who sooner or later probably next year you would imagine um provided all's well uh, with the world and you know we 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 do get through all this he will leave Borussia dortmund He, he that that's that's just as much of inevitability as as um night following day uh but of course you know, from our perspective, covering United, you're homing on Pogba. And he said about Pogba that he's going through a difficult moment, which I imagine is because of the fact that he's still injured, that he's not been playing. Um, and, and he said that he doesn't know what's going to happen with his future. But of course, when you're talking to uh, Marker, and you also happen to mention to Marker that you want to take a great footballer to Real Madrid in the summer, uh, you are narrowing down your options to players like Pogba and and Haaland, and especially given Madrid's longstanding interest in Pogba as well, I suspect roller felt the need to come out and speak about it because there was there was a story last week that. Pogba might have been uh, open uh, and might be open to to signing a new contract with United. Um, I mean, I did a piece on on the MEN on, uh, what day was it? Wednesday, lose the track of days at the moment, saying that effectively the reasons were stacking up. And just from a pragmatic point of view, there was a lot of sense to Pogba staying for another year just because of the situation in the world at the moment. The two countries where he would... Um, probably look to move. Italy and Spain are also in lockdown. Um, now, of course, Pogba, as, as the case with the majority of footballers, is not at risk from coronavirus. It, uh, as, as far as we're all aware, he, he doesn't have end, any underlying health issues. So he should be safe. But, of course, you have to take into account stuff like your family members. Um, his his mother uh, is, is quite elderly. Would he want to risk moving her. Ha- there were so many nuances to it, so many variables. Um, and, it's, and it's a human matter. So as as you said at the start of the podcast, football is trivial. Uh, it does feel very frivolous in times like this. So, I mean, we, we don't know if the transfer window is going to open at the same time. Again, uh, it, it feels trivial talking about these things. So goodness knows what it must be to listen to. But if we're just assuming that there will be a transfer window and the, the European clubs will somehow get through the season. Then of course Pogba's future is is up for debate. Um I mean, the the video he posted when he was training yesterday, I mean, I thought the the encouraging thing, the positive thing for United was that he was dribbling with the football. Um, The most interesting thing about it was that he was wearing a knee brace as well. I mean, Solskjaer talked about him having bone fragments removed from his ankle. And of of course, it's been the ankle that's given him so many problems this season uh, with his fitness. Unfortunately, there are some people out there who decide that you speaking positively about Pogba training is inherently negative because you've not said why have, Why the hell have you not said that he was wearing a Juventus shirt with Matuidi's name on the back of it out of solidarity now I, I know he's wearing a Juventus shirt I, I, nobody was tweeting uh, oh god look what Paul Pogba's wearing or anything like that but with Pogba it's, it's an absolute minefield. You talk about him, however fairly, however coherently, however cogently, people want to extract negatives from it. So even with something like this interview that Ryle has done with Marker, there will be some defenders of Pogba who think there's absolutely nothing to see here. Um, like Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun, where he's telling people to disperse and there's a fireworks factory exploding behind him. Uh, it, 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 that's the impression they, they give. But the fact of the matter is... If we're just going to stick to facts here anyway, uh, that's known publicly. Maybe we get Rafa Benitez. <laughs> it's not going to be as long as that. But Pogba was offered to Manchester City uh, over two years ago. He said last year he wanted a new challenge. That was his quote. Now, some people, some of his defenders will say, well, he's maybe talking about a new challenge at United. He clearly wasn't. And also... His his agent then came out and said he was in the process of engineering a transfer. Again, in the process was a quote used by Raiola. Pogba has never distanced himself from anything Raiola said, and he's never never denied anything um, that Raiola said. He's never contradicted him. So it's pretty clear that for a good period of time now, for the best part of two years, he has been you know, considering or looking to move away from United. Which, uh, which club do you think he'll go to
0: if, you, if he's got to go? I mean, we keep on seeing these rumours saying Real Madrid, saying Juventus. Like you said, he could still stay United. The fact the thought of Pogba being here in another two, three years, to me, I, I'm just, I'm not buying personally. I can't see that happening. So Samuel, you said there that, uh, you know, we, like we said, Rayola has spoken about engineering a move away. It seems it's going to be Real Madrid or Juventus, even if United were to to maybe even agree new terms of Pogba, but it still seems like his long-term legacy is not going to be at United. You spoke of that new challenge, and I know Solskjaer said last pre-season that the new challenge could mean being at United, but it's pretty clear it isn't. But where do you think, if, if Pogba was to leave, where do you think he would end up going if you had to go with your guts right now? I'd probably still say Real Madrid, purely
1: because of the Zidane factor. And apart from winning the Champions League, he ticked every box in in Turin. Um, His wife's Bolivian uh, so she's a Spanish speaker. Pogba speaks fluent Spanish. I think when you go back to that summer of 2016, when he was on holiday in, in California, he did a, a sit-down interview, I think, with ESPN's uh, Spanish channel. And he was he was speaking Spanish fluently, which I think was news to most people at that stage. And the shirts that were laid out in front of him were Juventus shirt, a Juventus shirt, a United shirt, and a Real Madrid shirt. Now, obviously, he went back to United that summer. But from what I was told, he, his initial preference was to go to Real Madrid, but then Rayola said, well, no, go back to United. You can hopefully do everything in, in England and then go on and, and conquer Spain. It's obviously not worked out for him at United um, to a certain extent. He, he has had some success, but there's also been an awful lot of tumult there as well. But within that period, he's won the World Cup. Uh, which is the major objective of any elite footballer. So I think there'll be some, the, from Pogba's perspective, there'll be a sense of fulfilment. There'll also be an acceptance that at United it hasn't quite worked out as he'd have liked. But you know, th- I think there's there's blame on both sides there. I think that there are a lot of people culpable for why it hasn't worked. But ultimately, it has got to a point where United have ended up signing Bruno Fernandes, uh, who, whatever people say has been brought in partly to offset the possible departure of Pogba. And although those two players can play together um, and it could be a very exciting combination whenever that time does come, if, if United are able to play Fernandes and Pogba in the same side, um, it's it, it just doesn't feel likely that that's going to be a short ter- sorry, a long-term partnership <laughs> or United are going to be a long-term team with those two in it.
0: I guess the thing, the fact that, that maybe intrigued me the most was that... The- the thought that if Pogba was to stay, what do you think that would do for United's summer transfer plans? If if, if it was sort of agreed Pogba is staying this summer, what, do you think United would still be looking to sign Jack Grealish or James Madison, a, a never midfielder? Or do you think that they'd look at other areas of the pitch as the priority? See, I think that that's a relevant...
1: Um debate to be had on on the attacking aspect because if you do sign a Grealish or a Madison it it does suddenly suddenly start to look quite top heavy particularly in that central area because you look at Madison or Grealish as uh, a central focal point even though they're both very good at Coming in from the left, and I think Grealish this season has, has mostly played from the left for Villa. I, m- I might be wrong about that. Yeah, I think but, he did. Yeah, um, he's you know that that's that's where he operates. Now, of course, you've got a lot of things to to consider there. James, Daniel James is playing the left for United a lot this season um, but he's also played a fair amount on the right especially when, when Rashford was available suddenly you're it, it's, it's almost like a domino effect if you're accommodating one player that you then have to accommodate another player and then someone eventually at some stage you're going to have their nose put out of joint of course United need competition and yeah the, the the attack still does look quite thin Solskjaer has managed it particularly well I think since uh, since January since they got from. the in and Igalo things have gone to near perfection pretty much just looking at the the results alone but the way Igalo's come in Marshall's been allowed to rest Marshall's come up with some very important goals and regained form because I did I did think he had a pretty poor January overall but he's he's become a more, much more important and, and better player for United even though even though there are games where he can look like he's not doing an awful lot he'll then suddenly score which is always a very good um, you know, it, it, that's a habit. That's a knack that any striker would want. If you're not playing well, but you still get an important goal, that's a great habit to have. I guess but, that
0: started with sort of Chelsea away, didn't it? As it is, soon as Rashford yeah. got injured, that I mean, we're having doubts. And like you said, there's still been times this year where Rashford, uh, where Marshall's looked not not good enough to be a number nine for United. But he's starting to prove himself. But I mean we are going to Maybe come on to this later, but Agarlo seems like—I uh, mean, we've been doing these Q and As all week, haven't we? You, you and me—and be do be sure to check the Manchester Even News throughout this uh, prolonged period of absence, because there will be daily Q and As. But Odey seems to be one that fans really seem to be divided on at the moment, because everyone loves him, and he's certainly doing what's being told of him. But I know we speak about it every week, but Odey Agarlo, surely. Surely he's got a long-term future at United if he keeps up this goal scoring rate.
1: It has to be considered because the, the caveat with Haaland, for instance, was that if you signed him, he had to go in the team straight away. His, his goals record, even though he's 19, his goals record this season and the potential and just the sheer expertise in which he operates as striker meant that he had to go into that team, which, of course, would not have been good news for Marshall or Rashford. At that time, probably Marshall because Rashford was in you know the form of his life so in in a way it's it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for united for for this in during this short period anyway because They've brought in instead a backup striker. The main striker has become more pivotal with his goals uh, and and the manner of certain goals. I mean, Marshall's goal against Watford was was one of the best he's he's ever scored, I think, for United. And it's not put any noses out of joint. The harmony at the club in the squad has been has, has got better. more than anything. And of course, we've seen before in that January uh, two years ago when Sanchez came in, what a detrimental impact that had on the French connection, if you like, of Marshall and Pogba. Even though Mourinho originally did try and accommodate Marshall in that attack, it was pretty clear that it was not going to work because somebody was going to be playing out of position. So sometimes signing the weaker player makes the team stronger. And you could argue that that's been the case with United so far. I don't think you'll be able to truly quantify the impact of Icaro and Fernandes until if we ever get there at the end of the season. Mm. At that point, you can say whether there's been an, a complete success for the team. I've no doubt that Fernandes will be a success as a player at United because he's, yeah you know, he's he set the world alight and he does not look like he's going to, have a relapse like Di Maria did or um or Sanchez did or, or some or some of these other players who have come to United in the post Ferguson era, had a very good first month and then their form's fallen off a cliff but with a Galo he he has to be considered as a long-term addition because you see even someone like Fernando Llorente at Tottenham last season even though he's never going to supplant Harry Kane up front and he probably wasn't an ideal striker um to come in and start whenever Kane was injured or unavailable for whatever reason he still had merits and of course it was his goal that sent them through fortuitous though it was um, to the semi-finals of the Champions League
0: Yeah I guess maybe do you think that I mean yeah we spoke about Garland the fact that he isn't maybe stereotypical of what what we were saying United strike would be under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do you think that's going to affect the way United do finally operate in the summer transfer window that they might start considering players that they hadn't considered before because yes i know when they signed a Galo they made it clear that this was maybe sort of a one-off in terms of skewing their long-term transfer policy at the club but if it works as well as it done could you see united sort of loosening the sort of criteria they've put upon themselves in terms of players they recruit i think they thought that that out-of-the-box thinking has
1: been going on for well probably since dallow came in now dallow this season it's it's I mean, it's been a write-off for him. Um, he's too injury-prone. He needs to look at something something there because the amount of injuries he's picked up since he first came to the club. I know he had an injury uh, when he joined United, but his durability is is a problem. And uh, he's probably been drained of confidence as well by how well wan has done. But there were merits to signing him and he did have some performances last season where he thought you know at 90 million he, this, this looks a snip and of course it was his shot that Kimpembe handled in, in Paris as well so I mean he's, he, that's his legacy at United already secured even if you know he he's sold in the summer or he, he, he never really cracks it there um, but Dallo Daniel James Egalo those are three examples of United thinking outside the box um, I suppose Lee Grant was some out-of-the-box thinking as well but you know that I, I suppose he could just be tagged on as an honorable mention more than anything so it does show that if you do in-depth scouting and you unearth i mean it's probably too premature to call call any of them gems at this stage but i think james is certainly james certainly showed in the first four months that you know he he was a gem i think there was there was a bit of the hernandez about him and that he was an unknown signing pretty much um certainly to to people who are in this United bubble of just covering United and don't have much time to watch Swansea City games well,
0: even even as a Welshman I, I really didn't know who he was but well there we are then exactly
1: exactly so it, it doesn't reflect too too badly on me then thankfully <laughs> well, that um, but that that kind of scouting United have not really excelled at and certain clubs have had periods of it Newcastle had it under Graham Carr yeah. uh, father of Alan Carr, when they've unearthed Johan Kubai and Cech uh one summer and then in the winter they went for Papi say and I think they ended up finishing. This it was, was what season was it? 2011-12 I yeah. think they finished. They was finished it fifth or, or it was fifth sixth or sixth? Yeah. And I think and they finished. They finished above Chelsea, um, mm, yeah. who of course won the Champions League that season. So when you know, and and okay, that's that season was one off, and Newcastle weren't able to sustain that that form under Alan Pardew for the forthcoming seasons but players like you know I mean Kabay went off to Paris Saint-Germain so he was very much a a success story Um, Tioti I, you know, I thought was a really good player for Newcastle when when he was there at the time. Um, I mean, sadly, he's, he, he passed away some time ago now. So it's 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 a really it's it's, it's a difficult one to talk about. But sometimes it goes in cycles. These things with clubs and that they do have a really really strong hit rate in the transfer market, and that can be down to going for targets who you would not necessarily say are the obvious ones to go for with a club like United that there are going to be certain players that you obviously have got to be in for because you're at the the top end um, of the transfer market. And by that virtue alone, you are going to have to be in for certain players who are clearly going to improve you, which is why, like last year, United are looking at Jadon Sancho again.
0: And another player that United are looking at, uh, Samuel Jude Bellingham. I'm not sure we've talked about him too specifically on the podcast, but he was uh, shown around Kennington last week. Um, Still seems like maybe Borussia Dortmund, and and United, and Chelsea, and Bayern Munich are the the teams in for him. But I mean, I've written a piece on it today please uh I've plugged this if anyone wants to check it out please do but um do you not find it strange that like how good must Bellingham be if United seriously want him when they've already got players like James Garner and Dylan Levitt at the club because to me I'm uh, Jude Bellingham is obviously a, a superb talent he's only 16 yeah. years old he's playing the championship but is he really doing much better than James Garner would be doing if he was in the championship I'm not so sure just to me it seems a bit odd that United's have such a famed academy but they'd buy drew bellingham for a fee which would insinuate he'd be an immediate first team player no i did i did read your piece and it's a it is a legitimate point particularly
1: given the, one um, reader um, yes. <laughs> oh, it is, it's in the tens of thousands or sort of hundreds <laughs> of thousands i'm sure um but it is a legitimate point given that these two players have have signed contracts over the last year with united they've been kind of promised a pathway to the first team squad at the very least. I can see Garner going on loan next season, maybe Levitt as well. Uh, I think Levitt but for illness in January, um, as I think you know, you told me back in uh, back a couple of months ago, he probably would have gone on loan um, in the new year. Especially since, well, obviously the Euros have been postponed by a year now. But at the time, he was was in the need of game time to ensure that he got a, a squad berth because he had been called up by Ryan Giggs last year. So that need for playing time for those players is is becoming more more and more immediate, but. When I spoke to Nicky Butt about it, he said they needed to be around the United first team environment a lot more before they went out on loan, which I can understand. But of course, when United are chasing a player who's being coveted by an awful lot of clubs across Europe and Ed Woodward and Matt Judge are meeting um, the player and his parents at Carrington, it, it, it is likely to be... Yeah, it could be disheartening for players like Levitt and Garner who have been talked up quite a lot um, and understandably so because they've they outgrew reserve football very very quickly and they've been you know two two of the main reasons why the under-23s have had such a enjoy such good season and have played such um, enjoyable football as well uh, It's been you know, really good football to watch for those who you know decide to take in under 23 games on a Monday night or a Friday night um so I, I fully understand it. But I suppose, from United's perspective, if they've watched Bellingham up close enough, and the out scat- reports have been um, as as glowing as as they can be, they might feel as though, well, we can't, you know, we can't afford to miss out on this player. Um, it, you know, you've seen players like Frankie De Jong and Matthias Delit and Deo um slip the net for United. I mean, Derek Langley, the, you know, was obviously used to be employed by the club and went out and watched some of these players. You uh, know, was was absolutely you know, seething that United passed on these players when he felt as though he'd unearthed them at the time, certainly from these shores anyway. Uh, so th- there's there's always that at the back of their minds, that if, you know, if this player goes on and is an absolutely... Rip roaring success elsewhere is going to reflect quite reflect quite badly on them. Um but sometimes there's there's a way of accommodating these things and um you, you look at even though Matic is likely to get a new contract, you wouldn't imagine that would be I mean that could be a, a one a one plus one if you like, which is what they like to offer to thirty something squad. Players, but as Maron and in one matter have shown, if you do sweat it out with United, they will budge and they will give you a guaranteed minimum two-year deal with the plus one on top of it. So there, that that is there is a resolution um, somewhere along the line for them. And of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Pogba. Andres Pereira um, is another player who you know has fallen down the pecking order now that everyone's fit and available so uh, there there might be some room for all of them but certainly next season I I would say that Levitt and and Garn and probably both
0: need to go out on loan I guess you said that as well the thing about Bellingham is that in general since Solskjaer's come in United's hit rate with transfers has been so superb really that the fact that they're, they're making moves to to bring someone like him to the club shows how how highly he's regarded. But as well, well, I guess for fans, it must be encouraging to see, like you said, that United are learning from their past mistakes and they are actively looking to to get the best young talent as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, um, when when I spoke to uh, when people at United spoke to us back in October, um, they said their aim was to get a seventy percent hit rate uh, in the transfer market so for every 10 players you buy seven of them turn out to actually be good for you now of course it's not as black and white as have they been a, a hit or a miss or what have you but more or less you can you know say this player's been good that player's not been good the irony is that they um they outed daily blind as a player who wasn't necessarily united material yeah i'd have said that yeah you know, i'd argue that daily blind certainly post ferguson you're, you're probably looking at he's probably the on the top five signings United have made in terms of what he brought to the team and how good a player he's, he was, and certain certain times when he was um, playing in certain positions, he, he did play very well and he, he did win trophies with them. Um, so that, that's what they're aiming for, anyway. It's, it's kind of like a seventy percent hit rate going off Solskjaer's five signings, if you to include Galo so far. If you had to judge them right now, you would say all of them have been hits. To, to various degrees but all of them have been successes in in different ways uh so that's five out of five and that's pretty good going i know um, one of our former colleagues uh, james robson uh, came up with a great idea that united have already got a director of football and that director of football is is solskjaer and there, there might be something in that one day but I still can't envisage the day where Solskjaer happily moves upstairs and he's overseeing. I don't know uh, Julian Nagel, Nagelsmann <laughs> losing nice his pass. first few games, it, 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 you know, and and then suddenly it's the it's the shadow of Solskjaer. It's not the shadow of Fergie anymore. <laughs> it's the shadow of this man who won his first eight games as, as United manager. Uh, I do so, like
0: the idea of Julian Nagelsmann calling Solskjaer the gaffer, though. That's a yes, that yeah, old time.
1: yeah. Uh, hey. we, we can only imagine, and then we'll have to refer to him by his uh, Norwegian knighthood
0: title or or whatever that might be. (laughs) But yeah, um, interesting points there. I think for today, that's probably all we've got time for on the uh, special The Manchester Red podcast. What does the rest of the week have entail for you, Samuel? Uh, (sighs) Well, fortunately, I've not shown any
1: symptoms, which which is a relief, uh, given Mm. that I passed through two countries yesterday and if you've ever been if anyone's ever been to frankfurt airport it's 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 humongous and um i think when we were coming back from austria there were a lot more people wearing masks than when we were going out to austria but it it will be a case of just just more working from home fortunately uh, I'm off on Saturday and I'm off all of next week which is is very, very well timed it of course was going to be international week next week anyway So, um, but fortunately I am getting out and about trying to keep as active as possible and as safely as possible as well uh, without going um, too stir crazy with, uh, with with all this cabin fever
0: Well, I feel like I owe you a favour by watching that Muppets film you referenced at the start because I'm not going to lie I've not seen it uh, yeah, Trevor well, Island is it? Muppet Treasure Island yeah it it is from your generation you'd you'd have been
1: goodness I don't even want to speculate onto your age as to your age at that time when it (laughs) came out but given that everyone's got time to uh, watch as many films and you know read as many books as
0: possible I I can recommend it it is a again for the online streaming services isn't it at the moment uh, have you been I mean without football have you been tempted to watch any classic games back yet any how, I've how not been, it got? no I've I've
1: not become that desperate uh, I finished off the, the Leeds United documentary on a streaming service uh, that we probably can't name for sponsorship purposes mm. um, I mean the good thing is that Sunday Until I Die is out on April Fool's Day so I think that's um, well times. that is impeccably timed but yeah if if, if I mean, it's it's manner of heaven for streaming services. It's not manner of heaven for just about everyone else, unfortunately.
0: Well. I guess the worst comes to worst that you can always uh, start a career mode on FIFA or something and uh, maybe bring United back to the Champions League before Solskjaer does it himself but uh, we'll have to wait and see how the uh, rest of the season will pan out in terms of that and of course like we said we know football's trivial at the moment but it's good to have that consistency back and like I said we'll be doing these podcasts as often as possible really still trying to do maybe one or two a week so if you've got any questions for Samuel I feel free to tweet us at our respective handles at Fay on Twitter uh, tweet at um, Man United, Men. And we've also got our Manchester is Red podcast Facebook group. So if you've got any questions, I think we'll try and look and do a maybe a question and answer special next week. I'm thinking I might even make you do your season review so far, Samuel. I mean, you've got your player ratings on the site now. So if people want to see how you've rated the United First Team squad, we've also got that. And like I said, on the Manchester News website, we'll bring you all the top United stories and just football in general in the next coming days. But Samuel, stay safe. Enjoy your time off. And... We will see you again next time on the Manchester Red podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.